All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to your neighborhood black friends. Can you believe I almost said chocolate and caramel? Oh my God. I almost said chocolate and caramel. FOMO, you know, I just, I miss the good old days, you and me. Let's introduce our special guest today. We have AJ McCreary, who is Portland born and raised. Yep. Right? Portland. And is a co-founder, mm -hmm. badass social justice activist, and yeah, currently serves as the executive director for a local nonprofit, black woman-led, shaking up the social justice scene called Equitable Giving Circle. Yay. AJ, so glad that you're here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah. I'm excited to be here with y'all. I'm excited too. This is only our second episode, so I'm feeling a little nervous, but you are somebody who has a powerful voice, and so I feel like this is going to be a really fun half an hour together. Yeah. I'm yeah. excited to be with y'all. Y'all both are doing amazing things in the community and shaking stuff up in your own right. You can cuss. I mean... Oh, good. Well, I you can, can cuss. cuss. <laughs> I cussed on a podcast the other week, and I was like, ooh. Uh, you can cuss. <laughs> Is there a stuff podcast you can't natural cuss on? Enough, I, I was don't like, know. No, the, of course. Not yeah. the fucking radio. Yeah, like OPB's podcast. We could have cussed on ours, right? Though, uh, it we was, couldn't cuss on ours. Yeah, because it went to the radio. That's why we got kicked off the radio. That was the worst choice. We got kicked off the radio. Yeah. Like airwaves. So happy that you're here. Would love for you to talk to our listeners a little bit and share a little bit about your story. Yeah, okay. So I am from Portland, Oregon. I have, I'm born and raised. I am a child of the community. Um, my survival really did uh, rely on community. Mm -hmm. And so the way I move through the world is very much rooted in that. Um, and I feel very honored to give back to our community um, in general, just based off of the experience that I've had thus far in my young life. Um, I went to Benson High School. Mm -hmm. I was a La Femme's debutante. I left Portland freshly at 18 and went to Xavier University in New Orleans, where New I Orleans. received, yeah, <laughs> seeped in culture and community. And you came in back. A different way. <laughs> I did come back. Um, I left again. So I've been in New Orleans and lived down there twice. Um, and I came back again, and in this last stint of coming back, um, my work has really, I rejected a nine to five and a traditional job situation. That's been one of the ways that I've personally been decolonizing. I cannot do that. Woo. <clears throat> that was like a big uproar in my personal life. Everyone thought I was lost my marbles. Um, and I spent a bunch of time, I, mean, I was consulting and freelancing, and then spent a bunch of time with my kid, Hobbs, hyper-focused on his art and unschooling him and just being in a different vibe. And then right before the global pandemic started, mm -hmm. I was talking to folks about creating, you know, um, a black-led, black and brown-focused giving circle. I had participated in a giving circle that I did not vibe with. Mm -hmm. Also, um, one of my lifetime mentors was like, create your own. Um, and so we did that. We created the Equal Giving Circle. Um, we originally started organizing. We were going to hyper-focus on women and femmes in business. But then the pandemic started, and I had been at the Black Growers Gathering and really inspired by black and brown farmers and food purveyors and was like, y'all, let's, let's uh, buy CSAs from black and brown farmers and give them to black and brown families because you know, we understand, as a group, we understood what was about to happen financially, just food-wise, um, and also with, you know, the economy for business owners, including farmers. 
And so we started this idea that we were going to launch this program with, for 50 families. And then in a week of launching our fundraiser, we raised like $30,000 and this is why I can't go to Vegas. I was like, well, let's just double down. <laughs> the whole team was like, I don't know if that's really how it goes. I'm like, well, too bad. I already told people we were doing that. So now we're on the hook for 100 CSAs and we raised the money, no problem. And from there, it just, it spiraled into us um, getting a contract with the city and committing to 350. And then from there, it bumped up. Um, the first month that we were really like moving CSA is a little rocky, um, but by July of last year, we were in really uh, smooth operation, really moving the food, everything sort of started to fall into place. Um, and so since then, we have been feeding folks with uh, CSA boxes that we buy from black and brown farmers. Wow. Um, it's a direct door, you know, direct to delivery to folks' home, like door-to-door -door service. and. We've started to do other stuff. We've rolled out a pantry program, so the families aren't just getting CSA boxes, but they're getting pantry items as well as the monthly um, protein drop. And we're really mindful of if you're a family that doesn't eat pork or a family that doesn't um, do fish or you're a family that doesn't do you know something specific or needs something specific, we're really mindful of getting folks those, those items. Uh, and then, you know, just in building this, it took this really drastic, beautiful shift from being something about um, the economy and turned into being still about the economy, but not about business, but about how do we change individuals' economics and how do we change the economic landscape as a whole collective. Um, and again, not from a, like a business, small business setting, but from around like a family's individual budget or, you know, supporting farmers. Um, we've also, we branched out to having a wellness program as well as a housing program. So, um, we have, we're still trying to get permanent housing dollars and finagle that. We're hoping to buy an apartment building and, um, have families like black and brown, really black single mothers. Let me just be honest, black single moms <laughs> get free housing for three to five years, um, and get to just live and be fed and breathe. Um, so that is like our next goal with the housing in November and December. We got 60 families um, rent or mortgage relief in three months. So whatever their, you know, whatever their rent or mortgage is times three, that's what we paid. Either they could choose from to them or to their landlord. We were really flexible. We made the process really easy. Uh, so we have that all set up. We're hoping to get more dollars um, and continue to do that ongoing because housing and being able to mm -hmm. give people stable housing or support in that way is a game changer. Um, so in addition to the food and that, we're also doing wellness. But we're looking at wellness not from like a vitamin, yoga, going to the doctor standpoint, which are all really valuable and important things, not taking anything away from that. But other people do that specific work. And so we're looking at wellness both from a um, access to, you know, whether it's like care packages that have bath salts and lotion and nice things and just like a way to, as a boost but also looking at um, community traditions and rituals and how do we bring that mm. back? How do we celebrate as a community? Um, we're also inspired by the underground plant trade. We've mm -hmm. been collecting and giving out um, plants to black and brown folks. To date, we've passed out over 16,000 plants, probably closer to 20, but I don't like actually do the inventory because you know that kind of paperwork is white people math and I don't do all that. <laughs> awesome, thank you so much. Yeah. Would love to, to hear more about 
your journey. You know, you talked about how you made this plunge, said, fuck it, I don't want a nine to five. And you you did it. Yeah, I, I know it took you some time, but you did that shit. Like yeah. what exactly was your breaking point and how did you just you and you you never changed your mind. I think that was the big thing. Cause like how long did it take you? Um, I'd say from like leaving a traditional job to um you know, to this, I'd say to this journey, uh, it took about four and a half years yeah. almost. Um, I think, I think the biggest, like that plunge was I just, I, I've been working on decolonizing my entire life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look like what I look like. So what does that I've mean to you? Really addressing the reasons, the why and how's we do stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So we live in a system that is hyper-focused on capitalism, that is rooted in white supremacy, mm. we are colonized beings. And we think of that word, you know, colonization is something that happened a long time ago, but it's still happening now. The new term for it is gentrification. Um, it's, you know, appropriation. So I studied history. That's what my degree is. It's in African-American history. And I mean, being a person also that looks like me and having a raised around a black family, you've got to be hyper-focused and sort of sorting things out and decolonizing from the jump, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I wasn't raised around my white family. Um, so I, I had a lot that I had to like sift through and try to figure out at a really young age. Um, and as I got older, you know, just like seeing the things that we see and experiencing the things that we experience, I am interested and committed to being my best self. And that means I have to openly, actively, daily decolonize everything, right? Like questioning everything, pushing myself, is this, is this ethical? Is this mm. serving myself? Is it serving my child? Is it serving our community? Is this the place that I want to, is this the world or the space that I want to exist in? Um, and starting to address how these different experiences feel in our body. So when I, like around 30, I just, I, I was done with sort of the, the things that I did up to that point. I learned a lot. I had some really great jobs and some really great experiences, but it was not not doing like working for the individuals I want to work for, right? Like I've worked on some political campaigns. I've worked for some large, um, did some contract work for some large mm-hmm. nonprofits. I've, you know, I've worked with an engineering firm, but none of it was like based in supporting, taking care of, or uplifting black and brown people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all sort of, we're doing this work and it's just, it's either for everybody or it's like positively impacting white folks. Mm-hmm. And, perpetuating the things that I've studied and I actively don't resonate or agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, yeah, at 30, I made that commitment to like, I'm not doing this shit anymore. I'm going to figure it out, but I'm not doing this yeah. shit. And um, you're a single mom. And I'm a single mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's been a journey, but my kid is, you know, he is, he's a creative and he is a rule bender probably more of a rule bender than I am in reality. Um, and he, well, saying that, that basically means your son's Antifa. <laughs> <laughs> you over here no, said, you no, know, fuck I colonization. Say, I don't want a real job. <laughs> I would say, I mean, Hobbs is, Hobbs is, Hobbs is like really, he's always been really intuitive and really, like he's a listener. Mm-hmm. He, he has no interest in this system, but he definitely understands and sees that like we have pieces within the system mm-hmm. that he's like, oh, I'm gonna use that. I, that's dumb. Uh, this works. And 
he's young. So, and he, you know, he's not been in regular school now for, I don't know, feels like forever. Um, and he wasn't in regular school Homeschooled, before. right? He's unschooled, yeah. yeah. So we, we don't prescribe to any, like, set curriculum. He learns through life in um, just real experiences. Mm-hmm. Right now he's working with um, Cleo Davis and doing work with the Mayo House and, um, and what is it, Albina Vision Trust. Mm-hmm. He's doing stuff with Beam. He's in dance. Oh, yeah, we did a thing yeah. together for the Albina Vision Trust. Yes. Yeah, so he, doing illustration. You know, he's yeah. uh, the youngest race talks facilitator. So he does all this cool mm. stuff that he gets to learn and build the important skills that you are supposed to be building at school. But they're, you know, it's not, he doesn't get a grade. He gets is this successful in real time? Yeah. Did we complete the project appropriately? Um, are we building a program in a way that makes sense? Uh, and he gets to work with a variety of people rather than just like some grumpy underpaid teachers. Yeah. Who are rightfully grumpy. Yeah. That's <laughs> just abusive. <laughs> you I'm know? wondering, have you been in like challenging conversations with other mothers talking about this decision that, you know, Hobbs is taking for his education? When we first started this journey and he was 10, yeah, people were really aggressive and they were really like, you're, you've lost your mind, he's going to be ruined, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, he's going to be ruined if he stays in an in a environment he hates and yeah. hates him. He did not, he was in French school when we lived in New Orleans and he thrived. Mm-hmm. And part of that, French school teaches on a three-year basis. So in first grade, everything you're supposed to learn by, or know by the end of third grade, you learn that in first grade. Mm-hmm. This, you and your classmates do basically the exact same thing in second grade. And in second grade, anyone who is ahead in a task or a skill, they help whoever wasn't grasping it. And then the kids get to end up sort of being each other's teachers mm-hmm. and tutors. In third grade, they learn the exact same thing and they perfect it. And it channels a way of learn, learning together wow. and building together in a very different way. Um, and also, everything in that school was in French, right? So <laughs> you didn't have time to be bad. You didn't have time to be distracted because you didn't know, mm-hmm. you know, you might miss, oh, is we getting a snack, mm-hmm. right? And if you're like six or seven, like that's, that's prime information. That's like clutch. So uh, when we came back up here and in regular school, he just did not vibe. He was like, this is terrible. So. Mm-hmm. When he first started, people thought that I had lost my mind and it was not going to be good for him. And I don't, I guess I didn't really have this long mapped out plan. I was just like, this just makes more sense. And he can learn in a different way. Um, And now people's reaction is because he, you know, he, he embodies black excellence. He Mm -hmm. does all of this amazing, incredible stuff. And people are always like, now they want to talk about it and want advice. Um, if you was nasty to me before, I might be like, uh, I'm not going to talk to you about this. But if you're like sort of new yeah. or, you know, we're or just curious, I'm happy to talk to people about it. Um, I think it's still something that people don't understand and people think is more complicated than it is. Yeah. Like I take him to meetings. That's the lesson for the day. Yeah. Um, I let him participate in meetings. Also, if like, other people- give me one thing that you learned in high school that you still use to this day? I didn't learn division. Like, I went to public school. I, know, I did trigonometry. <laughs> you know, I'm still mad. Like, the biggest lie. I went through all these advanced class I do know cursive. I know cursive. That <laughs> drove me the fuck crazy. When's the last time you cursed of something? When's the last time I wrote? Today I saw somebody <laughs> with a pencil. I was like, where do you get those? <laughs> right? I was like, what the hell is this? I was like, does this person have a pencil sharpener, yeah. like, in their house somewhere? Yeah. 
Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have so much qualms with traditional school. Not to say like I could do what you and Hobbs did, but like I, I think the only thing that I can think about is like there was this one class project I did for marine biology where we stud where I got to do a story on the Mesopotamian uh, creation myth that like completely changed like my, my whole spiritual belief system. But that's it. That was just luck. You know, I yeah. can't think of anything else from school that I was like, man, I would not be who I was today. I would not have the skills I have the, today. The only thing that I could think about about school that like really like I stayed with me up until now was like the few teachers I met that like I still have a connection with that were like role models mm-hmm. that like exemplified like the knowledge that I wanted to know or like how they conveyed it or communications or passions and stuff like that and it sounds like you can, you can get that without like your the bell ringing and having to rush to the bathroom between classes and run to the next class and and waiting there the worst feeling in the world I think like what resonates with me about what you said my life is super colonized by your standards for my kids Part of it is like school is not just school, but childcare so that I can work, so that I can feed them, right? So, like, it's hard. My kid's also older, right? So, like, we did, we started this when he was like 10. Um, And I'm glad that he has had like real school experiences. So, Mm. he has something that could, you know, to compare to and that he can understand, like, he has an understanding why I made choices, right? He was like, yeah. oh, that makes sense. Um, and I'm not, I also don't think that all school is bad. I think that like what teachers do is incredible. Um, I think that's great that kids can learn in collaboration with each other. I think a lot of the politics that we have put around school and the way that we treat teachers completely diminishes the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, for me, taking my kid out of the, I mean, taking him out of that was not just about like those things. He also experienced significant violence and issues at the hands of Portland public schools that like, I couldn't forgive that like y'all going to really ruin my child. And so we got to go. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm still involved in like going to school board meetings Mm -hmm. and I care about what happens to all of the kids in PPS. Like, so as a human, I can't just, while I remove my child from that situation, because that's what needed to happen for his survival and his, like for him to thrive and it proved to be accurate, I still deeply care about what is happening to other students Mm -hmm. and that teachers are able to teach Mm because we have incredible educators throughout our region Mm -hmm. teaching. We all have a lot of problematic ones, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, so it goes both ways. But, and there's a lot of students that are still there, black, brown, and otherwise that need advocates and people to care. So while that is not like the day-to-day situation or solution for us, um, it's not something that I just think like, oh, burn it down and it's not important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also like always want to hold space for the fact that like school does offer a solution in terms of child care and a safety net, right? Like <clears throat> in the work that I do, we've been able to support PPS kids and families mm-hmm. through food services. Um, and it's a way to want identify or communicate like mm-hmm. through that system. Um, and food securities is a really huge issue in our community and globally and so 
you know, schools do offer some safety nets. I'm not taking away the problematic stuff that's there, but mm. there is a lot of positives. So it's, you know, we're in a space that's sort of like that rock, you know, the rock in between the hard space or whatever. I'm so that's bad. what I hate. Just like, we think about so many verses. Like, I, you know, for me, when I was 18, I was homeless. And, you know, uh, I had to stay in a shelter to, to survive. I had to go to a day program to eat food and it would be so grateful. Like, Oh, these things keep me alive. But like so much of this stuff is like a poison pill, mm-hmm. you know, all this medicine we have to digest that has all these side effects. And we're like, Oh, well childcare. Oh, they, you know, make sure that my kids get fed. And at the same time, a lot of us walk away traumatized mm-hmm. for one reason or another. Yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, I want to hold space that, like, we need, we can't just burn down the systems, mm-hmm. like, as the... Indi- you can't say that. I, you, you no, 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 no. Quit I, I wish, work I, like, I, in, in my heart of hearts, yes, I would love to just burn everything down and start from scratch. But let's be realistic. I, personally, cannot function without a grocery store. Like, I would be living off of rosemary and maybe a tomato. Like I could do basil. Okay, great. So, like, together we have a, we have a questionable stuff. Right? That lives. Like, That's my only plant that lives. Every I, we gotta find somebody who has an onion, right? Yeah. But, like, we, we barely have a song, okay? So... I know that I can't just say burn it all down. And I do see regularly that we have parts of this broken system that do work. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I truly do believe that like our liberation, our moving forward, our resolving all of this harm and the realities that are the reality of 2021 and previous is that we have to use parts of the system that, that do work and do make sense. Mm-hmm. I wish we could just burn it down. But like I said, I personally won't make it. Yeah. Well, you're probably right. Your son's more radical. <laughs> My son is more He's like, radical. like, live off the earth. How old is he if you don't mind? He's him? almost 15. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, at 15, you know, like almost 15, you get to be super radical. Yeah. This In the fall time, I had this like conversation um, with a really good friend of mine who was just listening to me rant and rave. And I was like on a burn everything down. Fuck the man. Fuck this. Fuck yeah. that. Like whole vibe. Yeah. And this is an individual that is a homeowner. Um, and not because that was handed to him, because he worked really hard. He has both his, um, you know, his BA and his master's degree. He's worked really hard for those things. And he was listening to me like, Rich, you were not about to give my house to somebody. Like, that's not a thing. <laughs> you know, like, um, you might have some, you know, gripes about the system in mm-hmm. terms of education, but like I worked really hard for this and yeah. I know things that your ass doesn't know yeah. because of this. And it was like both humbling and inspiring because it was, you know, uh, a moment of like this system is fucked up, but also like there's a lot of resilience and amazing things that have happened. Like, Black folks that have survived mm-hmm. through the system and gotten their BA, went on to get their master's or their yeah. doctorate or whatever, those are incredible. Like, that is an incredible story of resilience and mm-hmm. is an accomplishment. That should be honored no matter what. Like, we know that that is a really hard thing to navigate and finish uh-huh. and deal with. Um, being a black person that has been able to save funds and figure out and do whatever to purchase a house, that is special, that is sacred. That is quite the accomplishment, right? So, like, we can't just... I'm not as I radical. I don't know. I, apparently, I'm I, more radical than you. You, I, like, you I, own a house, too. Two things can happen at the same time. 
the same But here's time. the deal. Yeah, I, I don't glorify it. And, and I think like, it's very problematic that we are for, because I agree with you, like we have to make space for it, yeah. but I don't think we have to be happy for, with it. I feel like our housing system is broken and I yet we are forced to feel accomplished by owning a home, even though we know home ownership is denied for most of us, the system doesn't work. Well, and so I struggle so much with us having pride of this. Is like I worked hard. Why uh, is working? Why is a basic thing like housing? Okay, but both what you and I, you deserve have from working, being a hardworking person or being a skilled person. I don't think that is what we should de well, I think define two as success. Can happen at once, right? Yeah. Like we can honor the fact that individuals have navigated and got to a place of stability or you know, past a barrier. Yeah. And we can also know, like, this system makes no sense and is fucked up regarding yeah. housing. Yeah. Right? Like, But I, the narrative that I deserve a home but you, because I've worked hard. But you use the Portland first-time homebuyers, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so did I. So, like, both of us had Don't mean help. that I agree with it. But both of us had help, like, still from... Uh, yeah, I agree a thousand percent. And yeah. I want all people to have help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think my, my bigger issue is this narrative of like, well, you know, let's not question, you know, who's owning housing when we know that this system was created for us to fight for scraps. But if we're championing more government programs like that, right, then, yeah. then and being proud or, or not being ashamed that we utilize those things and help people yeah. learn how to use them. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many people I know that are like, yeah, and that's don't public know how housing, to buy a house sure. and they don't even, and they, they're renting. And part of the reason why they're renting, even though their credit is good yeah. and they have, you know, something saved yeah. for a down payment is because they don't know yeah. about this program. And stuff. I think so, there's a huge difference in saying this community and mm -hmm. we together are ensuring that everyone gets housed. And that's what those programs yeah. do to someone saying, I, I housed myself. I did it all mm -hmm. on my own. Yep. And no one can take well, that from I me. would say I this agree. individual doesn't have the like yeah. I did it on my own. Like this is an individual that is yeah. much more, at least within their own like familiar unit, very yeah. mindful and and I respect that. And I, I just I want to hold space for the two things happening <laughs> at once, right? Yeah. Like I know that like this system around housing is jacked up and mm -hmm. makes no sense and is problematic. I'm also am gonna clap for every black person mm -hmm. that is finding ways to be, you know, successful or mm -hmm. to be to navigate out of like this fucked up system mm -hmm. and be in a place of stability. I am gonna clap for them. Do you I think am there's gonna, a point where it's too much? Like, I well, mean, like, I don't think black capitalism fixes anything, but right. I, uh, but so I do like, think that like the two of you being homeowners, I'm still is, broke. Yeah, see, is, 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 <laughs> that's true. It yeah. is important, and it is it is something that is not as common as we would like to say. Like mm -hmm. in reality, black people being homeowners is special, mm -hmm. and. You know, I, I'm like in a space where it's like I, I have to hold space for two things happening at once mm -hmm. in a lot of settings, which is frustrating. And that, you know, checks my how radical yeah. I actually am as a human being. Yeah. I think I'm more connected to my humanity <laughs> well, in that way. Because I think I, I struggle because for me, it's a false hope. And yeah, we're going to see some black folks do it. And I, I do worry that. We're also, like, as a society, very complacent with the fact that, oh, you know, I guess we're okay with the system work as it is because we know that some black folks have done it. And I think I really struggle with that. Yeah. Where, yeah. Um, it, yes, I love seeing black folks thrive, but that doesn't ever 
make me feel okay with the way that system Th currently this works. This is how I feel like when people go into schools and like they're like motivational at the assembly and they're like, you can be anything you want to be, right? And like that's what you're supposed to tell yeah. kids because yes. they need to have like believe that they can like work towards something. But yeah. then like we are adults and in the back of our head are like chances are yeah. most of y'all aren't. Right, yeah. like, um, like they even did this when I was at basketball camp when I was a kid. Raise your hand if you want to be in the NBA. We are in Portland, Oregon. Like one or two <laughs> people make it into the NBA like every like five yeah. years, and every kid raises their hand. And at no point did like any basketball teacher say, "Well, sucks because chances are zero of y'all are gonna make it." Yeah. Right, um, and so that's it's a hard. great example. Yeah, it's the whole hard, sports though. thing, like people sports yeah. and rapping. Yeah, sports and rapping. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just like like everybody yeah. thinks they're on the precipice. I mean, Republicans and white people have this on their side too, where they all think they're one day away NASCAR from being Donald drivers. Trump. Well, they all, think <laughs> they all think that one day, you know, if it wasn't for, and they just have different scapegoats yeah. that are wrong, right? But yeah. they like, if it wasn't for immigrants or black people or this and that then I would be like Donald Trump and be rich and could be president. And <laughs> Most hated person yeah. in the yeah. world. Well, <laughs> well, well not so by them. Crazy. Not by them. Yeah. yeah. Um, the one thing that you said about the when you're younger, you have the ability to be more radical. I think that that's important also yeah. because um, that that's not like necessarily bad in like allowing people to be who they are at different times and knowing that like everybody's on some part of their journey yeah. because like even with the protests that happen in Portland and like everyone will get outraged based on the events of one protest versus another or something like that but no one ever sits there and is like why is it that somebody who's 18 years old who's been told the world is going to end in 10 years mm -hmm. their entire life feels compelled to break a window they feel compelled because they're looking around like wait y'all are the ones that taught me the you world is about windows to end again yeah <laughs> but y'all y'all are the ones that taught well it doesn't have to be breaking a window but doing things that seem destructive towards mm -hmm. one's person yeah. or even other people or even their community but the reason they feel the ability to be destructive is because they think that the whole world is about to end and it very well might you know mm -hmm. like so it would be interesting to teach young people that you can be radical and destructive without actually like physically being destructive right like you this our commitment to violence and yeah. is rooted in white supremacy mm. and i hope and wish that like young people could see Especially when you're breaking black businesses. Yeah, or just, Fucking I mean, Christ. small businesses. It could be a disabled mm -hmm. business owner. It could be a queer business owner. Mm -hmm. People don't know. It could and be they, a single they, parent business owner. And people think Goldman Sachs are going to come up and clean up the window. Like, nah, it's no. going to be someone that makes what you make. I know. Right. That comes up yeah. and cleans up the window. The bank CEO is not cleaning no. up Chase's window. <laughs> right. Right. But we can still be destructive without being violent. Right, like we can mm. take that transformational, energy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we can take yeah. that energy. Like, what happens? I don't know if y'all um, had the opportunity to go to that climate change rally. This I feel like this was eight hundred years ago, but it was really I did like, the youth march, to, the yeah. youth climate march. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that was so yeah. powerful yeah. and inspiring, and it wasn't violent, and it wasn't you know nothing was broken. These Cops kids beat a couple black kids, but yeah. Well, yeah, that happened. That did happen. Um, so prior to that happening. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking this all, all, police. Ugh. I know, right? Um, prior to that, you know, there was a lot of beautiful energy, and there was a lot like as a grown up attending that oh. um, was really inspired both to listen 
and, and those young people made demands, right? They were extremely powerful. Um, how do we harness that energy into going into City Hall, into mm -hmm. demanding a meeting, right? Mm -hmm. And actually, or us as adults who have access to, you know, political leaders or whoever, how do we help facilitate but that? Isn't that rooted in white supremacy also? It's, it's just like, I agree with you completely, 100%, but it's yeah. like, those answers are also rooted in everything's the same problems. Like, I mean, everything's rooted look, in a white supremacy. Everywhere we I turn, mean, yeah. I, I think, I mean, that's, that's, that's part of that decolonization journey is that it is forever and that, like, all mm. of the things that we, we do are rooted in that, right? Yeah. But I do think that young people can... I, I don't think that young people being, you know, breaking windows and end up getting um, arrested and thrown in jail, which happens. Like, I've done significant jail support. I've done significant... Mm -hmm. You know, like trying to get bail together for folks. Yep. I've done a lot of like that stuff. I'm not interested in seeing a 19, 21 year old face 10 years for something stupid, especially yeah. when you know you you have the opportunity to meet said young person and they have they're brilliant and they have a lot of energy, right? Like, mm -hmm. how do we help channel that into a space that is still dismantling? Like, what if they did restorative justice? Like, what if you actually had to meet the business owner whose business that you broke? Especially with those black businesses. Oh, man, it would be so uncomfortable. I would want to, I would pay to watch that. <laughs> we'll put our mics there. We'll be like, the, we'll put our mics there and be like, this week on Your Neighborhood Black Friends. <laughs> We're meet listening. this anarchist <laughs> protester who yeah. broke this black business window during a Black Lives Matter rally. <laughs> I, th I think that's also like, especially young white people don't really understand movement work, mm -hmm. right? Like, that's what that screams But who at. does? I, we don't go to school for movement work. <laughs> well, it, I mean, like, when I lived in Atlanta, it yeah. was so awkward. Young people, like, often felt like they couldn't do shit yeah. because the civil rights generation is still alive yeah. in Atlanta, but now they're in City Hall, yeah. right? Yeah. And, like, and, like, are really powerful people, um, you know, like, and we've seen civil rights leaders and icons that, you know, uh, didn't have their lives cut short yeah. during that time become political leaders like John Lewis or, um, I don't know, Al Sharpton, the ones that lived, right? Yeah. Um, and, but there's, there's <laughs> hundreds of them in Atlanta, right? And in the yeah. South, I mean, in New Orleans, Even I think as East well. Even the East Coast, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. We went to, I went to the, um, the march last year in August, the Million Man March. And mm. It was so interesting to meet with like elders who'd been going to this forever that like do really impressive mm. and impactful work in their individual communities. That march was a hot fucking mess, y'all. Oh, like, oh my god. Um, and just in terms of like, it's a global pandemic, and like, why is there like water and Gatorade just like sitting in the sun, not on ice, and like oh, not god. being passed out? There was just it was wild, but. Mm. But it was interesting to talk to, yeah, some of those, those elders. And, like, I have a lot of elders in different parts of the country that I get to talk to. And, yeah, that, that disconnect. I think some of that disconnect, though, happens when we start to, ha like, reintroduce community rituals and, mm -hmm. like, shift some celebration. Because I know when I get to be in community with elders who we might be very different, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I smoke weed. Um, I'm not married. I don't know if I'm marrying kind. I curse all the time. I've rejected mm -hmm. a lot of uh, our, you know, whether it's school for my child. And I, I mean, I guess I do have a regular job now, but our, I, you know, my, our board is like, don't change. Uh, <laughs> so I love them for that. So like I, 
I am somebody that in, in, some, in many spaces with traditional, um, and as you get older, people do tend to get more conservative, that they're like, you know, we might butt heads. But when we are able to be in a space and celebrate and be in community, not talking mm-hmm. about politics, not talking about solving world problems, not talking about negative things that happen, but just in celebration, it changes and starts to spark a relationship that is very different, that allows, that has allowed for both learning and growth, like, and softened that relationship. Um, and so I think that, like, there is there is a soft spot where we can help, especially because we're kind of in the middle, right? Yeah. Right? We're in the middle in this. We're really, like, the young in the middle, but we're in the middle. <laughs> um, there is this opportunity to help cultivate more of that so us and younger folks can learn and can be in community with elders um, and find some ways to navigate forward. And again, it's going to still be navigating through the cracks. Like we're still in a space where black people are the first. Mm-hmm. We just celebrated, I mean, um, the spelling bee, gosh, what's her name? Uh, oh yeah. I don't know her name, but yeah. Good for her. Amazing and young she's person. she's a basketball player too. Yes. Yeah, she's so like talented. And so like, first black. What's her final word? I don't even know. I don't even know. Uh, Liberation. No, it was nowhere close to that. <laughs> it had a U in it. Oh. Complicated. I, <laughs> I only know like five words that start with U. You can I no, it didn't start with U. I think it started with an M. I'm, I'm going to get all this Her wrong. brain is way more powerful than mine. <laughs> yeah. I'm championing that to continue to I want my fifth it. grade spelling B. My final word was alligator. Okay. Oh, my God. I know. That was the winning word. I rocked it. No I, other Before fifth that, I had to spell the word alligator. Capri, which was really hard for a five-year-old. F- fifth grader. Is fifth it C-A-P-R-I-S? Yeah. What is, how old yeah. is fifth grade? Like 10 or something? Yeah. 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 And I can spell fucking Capri. Yeah. But, I mean, we're still in a space where there's a lot of firsts, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. people, we, there's a disconnect that, like, the civil rights movement happened and mm-hmm. we act like chattel slavery happened eons ago. Um, when I was in college, I mm-hmm. interviewed people that were born onto plantations mm. that mm-hmm. that lived that like literally personally experienced chattel slavery. Mm-hmm. Like I talked to hu- like to real people in person, not on a phone call, mm-hmm. not in imagination, but like we sat in a room, had a meal, and talked about it, had coffee, like yeah. went and visited them in, at their homes. Yeah. So. Our disconnect about yeah. like when things happen and how things happened um, is is still stark in our day to day. Yeah, and to be real, so many people are living at a surf level of subsistency, mm-hmm. and yet we just like that's how it works. Yeah. It's so mind boggling. Yeah. Meanwhile, we have like a billionaire space race. Oh, exactly. I'm so upset about this space <laughs> I know, race. Right? I hope that fool doesn't make it back. Like I, I saw really, something ugh. today was like uh, That's not nice. Yeah. That's not nice. It was my like just self. know you work so hard all the time if you if you keep it all together yeah. and you go to work every day, work really hard yeah. every single day that someday your boss might go to space. I <laughs> know. I remember yeah. watching a TED talk with Elon Musk and they were doing an interview with him and they um, asked him like why are you doing this? And he said something bullshit like <laughs> I want to be able to wake up and not be bored about the future. And people applauded him. I'm like, wait, so your solution for not being bored is to like land on Mars instead of ending world can hunger. We, yeah, can really? we fix things here? Like, yeah. Geez. You want to go fuck up another planet. That's what it's going <laughs> to keep you hopeful for the future. And people applaud that shit. I'm and like, you know where's good to live and like we should save yeah. is Earth. Earth. Right? Yeah, like, you, know Earth. Where, you know where I want to live? Where there's air. 
that Where I can there's breathe. Air. <laughs> I mean, the idea of even going to space, like, have none of y'all watched a documentary of when people, you know, like these, mm-hmm. these billionaires that want to go? I'm like, but didn't you watch the documentary that, like, going to space is a physically miserable experience? It is boring, it's horrible, it's stressful. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, like, Go outside of the fucking air, the the spacecraft, and try to fix miscellaneous shit. And like you're racing against time so you don't die. You're eating dried food. Your bones are shifting. Like you're shitting with the (laughs) like shit floats around. (laughs) Like why would you want this? This does not sound pleasant. This is terrible. You pee and it's you in the face. Like this is horrible. None of this sounds good, and yet here you are. Maybe we should just send all the billionaires to space. That's what they want. I hope they don't make it <laughs> Put bad. Put them on a little space yacht. Like, Y'all go live up there. Like, wasn't that Settle the whole thing with Atlas Shrugged? <laughs> I mean, like, really. And Atlas Shrugged all the billionaires went to a different planet. No, but like I, I Wikipedia'd it. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I'm like all the that. rich, powerful people went to like a different planet or something. Uh-oh. They got to go. I'm like, why can't we I just do that? Give them all an island. Have you seen Cat Williams special? And he's like, they are leaving us. <laughs> <laughs> Leave. They're not gonna make it. Like that's the thing, though. Is like going out into space. Like that's not the solution. It's so ignorant. Like, yeah. it's peak privilege. Well. I have one more question. Yeah. I have one more question. Rochambeau, okay, so is yours better? I, well, for sure. <laughs> Probably not. If yours is on the please. same topic that we're on right now, then go ahead. It's not. Okay, mine's not either. I'm curious, what, watch this, what if it's the same question? That'd be wild. It's not. Okay. Because <laughs> um, my questions are better than yours, so please. <laughs> you know what? Then I'm not even going to ask my question. I want to hear both now. Okay, my question is, um, you know, you, you said you started this work or decided to do it before the pandemic, and then obviously we're hit with this pandemic. Um, we've had conversations in our first episode about um, the pandemic and black people and um, the vaccine and stuff like that. And I'm curious what you're seeing in your work. Um, for me, it feels like like I'm vaccinated. Cameron's vaccinated. Um, At least you think I am. We got, <laughs> we got vaccinated. Together. We got vaccinated together. I yeah. told everybody it, that, that we were, we were a couple. <laughs> engaged. Yeah, and like he really told everybody, and they were like so. The doctors were like so enjoying it, like, <laughs> and they were like making fun of Trump, and they just it, yeah, it was something. But um, the. <laughs> But yeah, I'm curious, like, because we had this conversation last week, Cameron is really frustrated with people that don't like the vaccine and stuff, and, and so am I, obviously, but, like, <laughs> what you're seeing in your work in the community that you serve when this comes up, because what I see often is, like, people, especially my age, they they're, they're not, they don't even think about it, they're not even going to, it doesn't even, they're like, when would I go do that? Um, they don't yeah. see the need to do it. And then there's other people, you know, what... Um, we didn't ask AJ we heard was, she's vaccinated. Well, what we, vaccinated. what we heard was um, uh, we remember Tuskegee, right? Like, yeah. And mm-hmm. so, like, yeah, it's just kind of hard. Like, and we were thinking about, like, well, what's supposed to be our role there then? Yeah. Like, do we intervene and say, forget Tuskegee, right? Like, you know, so, yeah. How does that all sit? Um. I really understand and respect the resilience or the the rejection of of a vaccine in this way. Um, and also, I'm like, how committed are you to modern medicine, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you are open to going to the hospital for because you're having a heart attack or a stroke symptom or you have diabetes, 
are you also rejecting this? It's like one of those, mm-hmm. like trying mm-hmm. to be mindful and um, hold space for both. Like I really, I do, like I personally struggled with like, oh, you know, our FDA is suspect. There's mm-hmm. been a lot of Trump mistrust. Trump was the president in, for... Yeah, like there's <laughs> been a lot of mistrust when it comes to modern medicine and mm-hmm. even the history of how we have been able to have modern this, this medicine. Um, and also... I really, I, I personally just had to be like, I'm going to just go with it and see what happens. Um, I have zero interest in having COVID and experience, like living in the hospital and maybe dying or not dying. Or getting someone else sick. Or getting yeah. somebody else sick. Yeah. Um, and so I, I definitely understand sort of like, I want to hold space and try to understand all sides. Um, I think that individuals. Do we have time for that? To have all sides? Well, I, I yeah. didn't say I, I want to hold space. Yeah. I didn't say I was telling. I want to hold space yeah. in a moment of, like, I hear the concerns or the mm-hmm. issues. I also think that the majority of us, especially if we are individuals who have tapped into modern medicine, mm-hmm. get your fucking vaccine. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, I have went to the doctor for many things um, and used modern medicine for my personal benefit. Uh, my kid has. Uh, my parents have, my you know siblings have, my friends have. Um, it feels weird mm-hmm. then to reject this personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that those especially if you're out there eating like McDonald's, that it's like you're gonna eat McDonald's, smoking cigarettes, and then be like, I'm not taking the vaccine, yeah. and it's mm-hmm. like, but you're willing to put a bunch of other stuff in your yeah. body. I also want to hold space, though, too. Like, there are people that, like, there are reasons. Like, they might blame it on something else, but there Mm -hmm. might be medical reasons why they don't feel comfortable. Absolutely. But I think that the majority of us that can safely access the vaccine and get the vaccine, that we need to do that. And it is one of those moments where this isn't about just us as individuals. Um, And it's a hard moment, right? It's a hard juxtaposition to be in. Um, And also we really have to shift out of this mindset of being all about the individual. And mm. I feel like this vaccine yep. has brought us this opportunity to really bring mm. that into a mindful community conversation. For the last however many decades, we've been hyper-focused on being an individual. And, you know, like, it's all about you. Um, a couple months ago, somebody was like, like, really, I don't even know. I don't even remember what I was ranting about or talking about or fussing about or whatever. And they were like, well individuals that's not a thing like you as a human being mm-hmm. you can't function as an individual like that's no what road are you gonna take yeah like the one you, you built like <laughs> you didn't have whatever you have whether it's your jeans riding in an uber mm-hmm. or using your computer it, all of those things happen because we shared and mm-hmm. we function as a group yep. and moving forward so we have to have that same attitude and that energy and we have to start being really mindful so we have this opportunity to use this vaccine to start thinking about how we operate and move as a collective. Um, and there are people that are the vaccine isn't going to work for, it doesn't make sense for, it's not safe for, but those of us that it is, like, I, there's no reason for me to have not gotten the vaccine. And so I got the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, and also we have to start talking about those things and being in real time, right? Like, if we're going to be using modern medicine this is a thing. Also, those of us who, I went to Xavier University, so I have a lot of friends that are doctors, pharmacists, and friends that are in research, Mm -hmm. in medical research. I have friends that actually worked on some of these vaccines. Are they the deep state? Uh, What? (laughs) Are they the deep state? (laughs) No. But 
knowing that and like knowing these are people that I trust and that I would allow, like not all of them, but some of them would allow to practice <laughs> medicine on me. Um, if they're saying this is safe. You're like, there's this one that worked on the Moderna though. Actually, no, no. I, have a, I, have, I, I have a person that he's an ER doctor. I'm like, please do not see him. He's oh, probably no. drunk. Oh, um, shit. <laughs> he's not responsible. Be yeah. careful. Um, wow. I mean, I went to law school. Everybody's got their problems. Everyone has Everybody their problems. Everybody at law school has advice too, so. Yeah, but like, <laughs> I mean, I have friends that are pharmacists who, mm-hmm. who are active. Like, they really understand the chemistry yeah. behind mm-hmm. it, behind this, and have been able to explain that and they're like this is safe this is good for us this Mm -hmm. is gonna be okay and so as a person who also has access to them because that's where I went to college with individuals who I mean I was like this Mm -hmm. it's like now I'm finally proving myself right like Mm -hmm. they all became doctors and pharmacists Mm -hmm. and they were like AJ what are you doing with all this art shit and just like what is happening um and now you know whatever I've I've grown into myself but I've I've accessed individuals who are very intelligent around that topic and I trust them, right? Yeah. Like, and it's important for us to talk about that in real time. And there are us mm-hmm. around that vaccine who are who are guaranteeing this is okay for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, AJ, this was a wonderful Can conversation. I ask you a My, <laughs> AJ, this was a wonderful conversation. Really enjoyed it. And I just have one final question yeah. for you. Uh, do you have any exciting plans for the future? Uh, I'm really hyper-focused right now on getting Equitable Giving Circle both a building mm. and um, long-term funding. And that's real reparations right there. Yeah. I land want, back. Yes. Yeah, so I, if we have any listeners that have some land or a building. Yeah. Or money. Yeah, and like, like a building on the land, not like, just land. Like, <laughs> or cash, or cash in hand yeah, that you're you interested in, yeah, helping us. Um, we are a black women and femme-led organization, and we are very much trying to get actually multiple buildings, an apartment building and also a building we can house our program in um, and that we can put in a land trust so that we can become, like EGC can become a permanent fixture and institution for our community. Like that's a big, the next couple years priority. Um, I'm also, like a life goal of mine has been to write a book. I used to write... um, I've done some ghostwriting for some folks and I've done some writing of articles and stuff. And now I really want to like, just this like a childhood dream of mine to like write a book and publish it. And Look make at that you. Happen. We have a similar dream. I know. We need to go on a writing retreat. Yeah. Right? Make that happen. Yes. Let's. Um, and I'm actually really actively thinking about in a couple of years running for public office. Um, I low-key have this... <laughs> We're going to have to edit out half of this interview. No, no, because I, I, I actually want to be a congresswoman. Not burn it all down. No, 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 no. No, no. no. I want to... There's no run for office in what was it, Indiana? <laughs> You're from no, Ohio? No, I'm, I'm not going there to run for anything. But I really do want to run for um, public office. I think, I, I mean, like, on a... I don't know exactly the space I am looking at in this moment. I'm having different conversations mm-hmm. with different people. Um, I low-key want to be a, you know, Congress congresswoman <laughs> and uh, <laughs> smoke weed and then go and be like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> What's happening? Um, just, uh, the right would hate you so much. I know. Well, you know what? They already hate me here know, in Portland. Yeah, um, and it's they make my life on I a like daily it. complicated. So... <laughs> I would love to go to D.C. and be Hell like, yeah. what's good with you, homie? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um, so that also I'm really committed to seeing my child thrive and his Aww. dreams be realized. He is 
you know, between art and dance, I, that is a big goal for us as a, a team to see him dancing international and see his art in mm. all of the places that he dreams it. So that will, that's a big future goal. That's beautiful. You know, I feel like I could ask that question about people's future to a lot of people. And you threw out, you know, you want to write a book, you want to run for office, you want to see your kid thrive and be happy. Yeah. It's powerful. It was yeah. an amazing answer. You're where, a dreamer. Where can people find you or their organization? Um, people can see, find uh, Equitable Giving Circle on the internet. We are www.equitablegivingcircle.org. We're on Instagram and Twitter, though it's neglected on there because, you know, Twitter is crazy, crazy. Oh, yes. I can't behave on Twitter is why I don't be getting on. I'll be like, you are the devil. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That'd be your joke. Have you ever watched Dear White People, the Netflix show? Yes. Yeah, I can totally see you being Sam on Twitter. Yes. We're, like, loosely on Twitter. We're on Instagram, Facebook. I don't really do our social media. Um, And people can reach me at info at Equal Giving Circle, which is really funny. I chose that um, email because I was like, I mostly always know all of the happenings mm-hmm. and people never think that that's me. They'll be yeah. like, I'm looking for mm. AJ. And I'll be like, you found her. Yeah. Or they'll like hit up every single other email address of ours and I'll, they'll be like, the info one. Yeah. Like, the, it's, it's hilarious. So, yeah, um, I am accessible. Uh, find me often at our spot on 2218 Northeast Broadway if you want to drop off a check always happy for that <laughs> yeah AJ thank you so much and everyone listening be a neighbor be a neighbor bye and welcome back that was our interview with AJ McCreary of Equitable Giving Circle amazing yeah I thought it was great She's got such a powerful fucking voice. No, totally. And like something that is definitely different about her is she speaks. I don't know if it's confidence is the right word, but like is honey badger don't give not, a like, fuck. Like hold your ground. Like yeah, yeah honey it's, badger. Like, is that what it is? You don't you remember the honey badger meme? And honey badger is a different thing in sports ball. Honey so. badger don't give a fuck. There was like this video of a honey badger that was like biting snakes and stuff like that. Yeah. So and like, then- I mean, <laughs> she definitely like is willing to say things um, that I think are not necessarily controversial, but are not mainstream and yeah. stick to them. And then so that's something that I definitely admire. the definition admire. of controversial. Yeah. I mean, I, like as a parent, um, I like I. I was sort of blown away by the yeah. taking kid out of school and stuff. Not just because it's like the single hugest thing you c- what could do to affect the trajectory of your child's future. Yeah, is to not put them in school. And I think all the reasons are great. And like it's just something that people don't really think about. But yeah. also, you know, and, and then there was what I said about like it's also like the childcare aspect of it. And yeah. also, like honestly, just as a parent. Shit, I don't know if this is the right thing to say, but like, you need a break sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> of course, uh, every parent thinks that. And I don't think for me, I, I, I know apparently, you know, what AJ did might be controversial for every planet, you know, parent on the planet, but I have so much resentment, as we all do, mm. from our school experience. Yeah. And I know Hobbes personally, and like, I would trade anything to have had. Hobbes's upbringing compared to what I had. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and like I said, it, it's 
the the things you take from public school that are the good things, or at least from my experience, were the like, not that teachers are bad. There's obviously great teachers, but the few teachers that I really connected with that I still yeah. know to this day that like were able to serve as role models for me mm-hmm. going forward and stuff. But I didn't have a single black teacher growing up. Um, uh-huh. I don't think there was a black teacher in my school. What, like Oswego High School? Uh, no, Southridge <laughs> High School. Shout out Skyhawks. Uh, I still wear my Skyhawks track sweatshirt all the time. Um, love the Skyhawks. And, and as long as I can still fit in it, I'll know I'm not too big. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was our episode with AJ McCree. And I do want to give a huge super shout out for her work and her organization, Equitable Giving Circle. And they just became a nonprofit, actually, as we speak. So wow. please go to their website, make a 501c, 501c3 tax-deductible donation to the Equitable Giving Circle. They have completely transformed how we are doing community service in Portland. You know, not only are we providing relief to black, brown, and indigenous families. We're also ensuring that those dollars are going to black, brown, and indigenous vendors who are supporting this work moving forward. So we are helping to build and bolster small business while also helping to serve our communities with the greatest needs. Amazing so please work. find Equitable Giving Circle and support this bomb-ass force of nature, AJ McCreary. Amazing work. All right, well, let's talk about news. And I picked this topic, uh, and I am excited to talk about it. So this one is very close to home. And we have had the desperate housewives of city politics over the past year, and it never ends. We just had a super rough and tumble election cycle that me and Greg were both heavily invested in. I, as a candidate, failed candidate, and Greg, I guess, is a failed campaign manager, but he got closer. We actually both got super close. We were really close losers. Well, and you were a supporter of the candidate that I was running as well. Yeah, but my campaign, I almost won too. So, like, yeah. we both were really close losers. Yeah. Yeah. It feels great. <laughs> right? <laughs> I feel like now we get to, like, second anytime something. Place. <laughs> second place. The great thing about being second place, you get none of the blame. And anytime something goes wrong, you'd be like, well, guess what? If I had been there. Yeah, tell that to Sarah. <laughs> I know. She's not that type. I. I, I feel like I can wrestle my, like, look at what I've been able to do with, like, Brown Hope and Black Resilience Fund. It's been great for people to be like, shit, we should have, like, the number of people who said we should have voted for you. I'm like, yeah, fucking deal with that. Yeah, I think that Sarah is definitely going to be that way at Street Trust, you know, in a different way as well. And yeah. what she's able to accomplish for our community as an executive director there. Yeah. Um, and congratulations to her. She's now the permanent executive director instead of interim executive director. So that's great. But yeah, we have a uh, recall, a recall election of our mayor, Ted Wheeler, who recently won against me. Barely. uh, Barely. How Um, how barely was it? uh, I think he got around 45% of the vote Mm -hmm. and Sarah got 40% and Mm -hmm. around 12% were write-ins. Mickey Mouse. Damn you, Mickey Mouse. Mostly probably Mickey Mouse, <laughs> yeah. Or it depends who you ask, but it's probably mostly Jesus Christ, Donald Trump, or Mickey Mouse. Um, yeah, but that but- was a rough and tumble election cycle. I can't think of, and I've been through every Portland election since 2012, and I've never seen one that was as vicious. And well, and think what we had. We had the uprisings and violence against protesters, property violence from protesters, um, 
violence isn't even the right word. Property destruction from protesters. We had a pandemic where progressive candidates. Ted Wheeler got assaulted. What? Remember he got assaulted at that bar. I think that happened after he was elected. Okay. So, but I mean, the 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 point. I mean, our. I think this recall election is different than many recall elections. Um, because this mayor never got a majority of the vote mm. in this election. And so I think that's a good talking point for them is that we should have a mayor that most of the people of Portland have voted for. Um, and, you know, I definitely support... I, I, I don't think that Ted Wheeler is an evil person by any means. Um, I think that each of us are a victim of our... or uh, rather a... Um, we 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 exist because of the circumstances and the experience lived experience that we have, and I don't think that his lived experience, um, as well as the skill sets that he has, were best equipped for the moment, especially that we were in at that moment, and maybe to move Portland forward. Um, and because of that, I would support the recall for sure being on the ballot. But I also, you know, I, I understand, and uh, I think there's a good argument to make that like it's not good for the city to be in constant turmoil over our um, elected officials. But if you, if you don't get 50% of the vote, I can see why a lot of people would not want you to be in office. Well, that's the backstory. The part that the juicy news that came out this week was the Willamette week, which, you know, is kind of like the uh, political hacks of our journalist field. And they've been known to take down a lot of politicians. They uh, brought resurfaced, uh, some news from about 10 years ago where we had a previous mayor uh, who, in full Portland Real Housewives faction, now works for our current mayor. And he had gone through his own political scandal. So that was a former mayor, Sam Adams. And right as he got elected, uh, it was uncovered that he had been lying during the campaign about having uh, sexual relations with uh, a very young person uh, and a very young gay man. And uh, he faced a recall campaign. Uh, and during that time, Willamette Week interviewed other elected officials in the area, asking them if they would support the recall. And Ted Wheeler, he was quoted in paper saying, voters deserve the right to decide whether they keep Sam Adams. Yeah, and he said that if he was in that position, he would want, you know, reassurance from the voters mm -hmm. that he's able to do the job and and if he didn't get that reassurance, then he would get the message and be out. And so um he obviously hasn't come out in support <laughs> of his own recall, but um, I would think that that message would apply now that, especially in an election where you didn't get 50% of the vote or a majority by any means, either in the primary or in the general. And actually, from the primary to the general, he got a less percentage of the vote. Mm -hmm. um, that he would, that, you know, maybe this would be the reassurance or the mandate that he would need to go forward. Um, and actually get the reassurance from voters. Yeah. And I think that, you know, if he were able to survive that recall effort, yeah. either at the signature gathering phase or uh, on the ballot, yeah. that uh, that would give him a mandate that I don't think that he currently has. And I think that would better position him to yeah. set a vision for the city. Yeah. I wonder what he thinks about... <laughs> you think he remembered saying that? No, definitely not. <laughs> a lot's <laughs> happened in 10 years. But the context that I have, because like clearly the reasons for the recalls between Sam and Ted are completely different, but 
if you're looking at it from a governance perspective, the city hall of today is so much more dysfunctional than Sam, Sam Adams' city hall. So yeah. regardless of what we speak about Sam Adams' character, mm -hmm. I have more trust with how the city was managed then than I do today. So don't you think that's a little bit of the way that politics has become so more ingrained in people's lives? I mean, mm -hmm. I, I don't really have the Sam Adams experience because I, I don't think I was around mm -hmm. or I was in college or I was young or something like that. But the... I, you know, politics is the number one topic for so many people mm -hmm. in conversations. And even local politics mm -hmm. often is like I walk down the street and see Ted Wheeler graffiti, uh, not by Ted oh Wheeler, but gosh. against Ted Wheeler. And I feel so bad for it. I have so much sympathy for Ted for that. Like the it is a cause to celeb to mock Ted. And the thing that really curdled my stomach the most was walking around through downtown and seeing all the fucking, what, what's that, the wet plaster, whatever they call that, but they do the, the wet posters of Ted's face having been pepper sprayed. Mm -hmm. And then they started calling him Tear Gas Teddy. Why? Well, so he definitely was responsible for a lot of protest repression. And there were uh, there were people that were tear gassed that were not even participating in protests, kids yeah. in their homes and stuff. And and I do think that he needs to take responsibility for that. And yeah. I think that if you've made mistakes, yeah. the best thing to do is to own it. Um, I was reading yeah. an article. But I think there's a difference between advocating on the behalf of folks who've been trampled and oppressed mm. to being mocking. a bully. Yeah. Like, not just mocking, well, but, like, the, the degree of personal attack where you've made someone a caricature that it's just kind of cool to, like, one, it was to, like, infantilize him yeah. and to make him look pathetic yeah. and to humiliate him. And that's the biggest thing for me. It wasn't just mocking. It was complete humiliation. Yeah, so I wouldn't participate in that, just like I don't participate in breaking windows, and I wouldn't participate <laughs> in, like, the people that have accosted Ted Wheeler in public. Like, I yeah. would never do that, right? Yeah. If I see Ted Wheeler in public... But the I problem is that Ted all Wheeler that's part and public. parcel. And that's yeah. where I struggle. No, it is. Like, hey, if you're okay with people saying tear gas Teddy, well, th that's the same fucking inertia that's causing him to get a a assaulted. But in public. Do you think he holds no responsibility for that name? I don't think he deserves it. I think if your kids were tear gassed by him, you would probably think that he does. I've been tear gassed and assaulted by, by many uh, by many uh, elected officials, Charlie Hales, Sam Adams. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't call any of them tear gas people. And they they were also responsible for tear gas and yeah. You know, brutality against protesters, and none of them have yeah, that. Yeah, but the moniker. uprising we saw last summer was definitely different. Um, so, is the uprising now permission to completely humiliate somebody? No, and like I said, I I, I wouldn't yeah. participate in it, but I understand it, and like, it, I just think that it's when you participate in tear gassing a community, you can't then expect that that community is going to so easily forget that. I don't think we should forget it, and I think he should be held accountable, but yeah. I don't think complete humiliation of his character is the way to go. I think focusing sure. on the rights of our First Amendment and fighting for the freedom that we all should enjoy, and that's the problem that we lost that. Once we started becoming about putting posters of his face calling him Tear Gas Teddy, it was no longer about the First Amendment. Do you think people walking down the street looked at that and said, oh, we have to fight for our First Amendment rights? No, it was like, let's mock Ted Wheeler. Yeah, but I think that's been the nature of political propaganda for a long time ever maybe mm -hmm. and so I, 
and I also think it's uniquely kind of Portland too. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that can be good or bad, but I, I like I, I'm just not going to be surprised. I think it's by sad, it. and I don't think it's helping our society so heal or be effective. What should we do? I think we have to just model the best. And as you yeah. said, we don't participate in this stuff. And yeah. I also think it's important to not condone it. And I think it is important to to say to our communities that we can do better. So, it's it's not a it's not a saying that we there's nothing we can do, but it is saying that we can do better. No, I, I, I don't disagree with you. I will put in like that. I think we would do a disservice to not mention that. Ted Wheeler also, both as an elected official, but also as somebody with immense inherited wealth Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) and stuff, has, like, a lot of privilege, and as a straight white male, has a lot of privilege, and um, the discomfort that he feels oftentimes, I don't think, uh, you know, I think that He lost his wife. Yes, and I'm not saying his life is He can't walk around peachy. safely in public. He can't even own a home anymore. He had to sell his home that his and live in a guarded condo roses. that also got attacked. I'm not saying that his <laughs> life is yeah. like just the best thing in the yeah. world. What I'm saying though is that there are a lot of like you know just like like I say I don't cry over broken windows even though I yeah. like wouldn't support it. Yeah. Um, like, I just think that what I would rather do is stay focused on things like the black people that have died at the hands of Portland police rather yeah. than the discomfort that somebody living with immense privilege feels in part due to their own actions. I would agree with you until it changed from being discomfort to him not Safety. being safe in his own fucking city. Uh, so I do not think... I, I, I don't know, but what we've seen thus far, and which I do not mm. condone of the people that have accosted him in public, mm. I have not seen like violence against him where he's been like hit or something like that. You don't um, think they wouldn't hit him because a lot of, you know, I think there's a lot of people that would love to punch Ted Wheeler. Yes. Yeah. Um, and people who have punched Ted Wheeler. I, I don't agree with that. <laughs> I think he got punched once, right? He got punched once. No, he said he got, like, slightly shoved during one of these. Things. No, I think there was a separate situation where he got punched in the face. No, I'm I don't positive. think that happened. Okay, we can, I'm going to Google it. Go on and talk. No, it's, it, it's, okay, regardless. Okay, if he got punched, I don't condone that. But I don't think that even if he got punched once, that that's grounds to say that he is no longer safe in the city of Portland. I just, it, you know. The, uh, black people are not safe in the city of Portland, and we don't get to. Portland Med Wheeler exports. punched in confrontation with left wing activists January 8th, 2021. So, yeah, but I he don't was think punched. that. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, I, I think I've seen that video, and I think that there could be another word than punched. But the. Um, but I don't but where think does that, it that end? Necessarily... We were literally just talking about hang Mike Pence and people's yeah, lives yeah, being yeah. in danger. I don't want this Ted is a snowball effect, and I would I not agree. be surprised I, if the next thing becomes worse. Political violence is definitely yeah. bad, especially against persons, yeah. right? And uh, and I think it creates a climate that uh, is really bad. And I think you know, even if Sarah had been elected, there could be uh, Rayford supporters that mm-hmm. were violent towards her, and you mm-hmm. know, she was accosted in public many times as well. It doesn't make the news, but she would go places and be accosted in public too for being a white savior, etc. Um, and it, we're living in a time, but and she era was not where rich. Elected officials 
are being targeted with real physical threats. So I think we can say that that is not okay. Yeah. It is very bad. And it's not just discomfort. And but, I think that's the issue I, that I, I have I don't think with what we you can, said. But I don't think we can um, act surprised that it's happening. I think it should I not be, be a part of the job. I'm not yeah. surprised, but I'm appalled. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't think we're that far off then. Okay. <laughs> Um, but but I, but I, I would push back on that he's not safe in the city of Portland because I think that I honestly think that black Portlanders or the people that mm. probably have been processed in Multnomah mm. County Courthouse in the time that we've been having this conversation mm. are less safe in the city of Portland than Ted Wheeler is. I don't think it's a competition. I I think everyone. It doesn't have to be. be safe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. And I don't think folks who are supposed to be apparently fighting on the side of justice, doing that by threatening the immediate safety of someone yeah. who I don't think deserves so it. Then, so then I would also say that I just don't think that the, not everybody who supports Ted Wheeler not being mayor um, is course. a part of that. Yeah. And I actually think it's a really small faction. I so didn't just like at ass. a protest. So yeah, so just yeah. like at a protest, well, um, just <laughs> like at a protest, <laughs> what was that? you've never endorsed him? No. Oh, okay. When so have I ever endorsed him? Well, I don't know. I'm oh, actually, that's a yeah. lie. Okay. <laughs> so in two, this is where you're going to bring it up. It was 2016. See? Oh, oh, yeah, so long ago. That little motherfucker, Jules Bailey, I'm going to call his ass out, who was running for mayor. Yeah. And I believed in Jules. I supported him. I donated him. He was my friend. He had great vision. And then... That little butthead, we were, I was working for a nonprofit called Know Your City. We were partnered with this youth empowerment nonprofit called The Bus Project, trying to get young people involved in elections. And we had this annual event to bring in candidates so that young people could meet them and do fun and activities. had to go to the Blazer game. But he lied. And <laughs> yeah. he said something about, like, he had a family member that was in the hospital and we felt so bad until we found out. Actually, no, he decided to go to the Blazer game. And then when it got caught... It was because of Next Up's board members. Yep. And then or the, the, or Project, the Oregonian got the story. And then his campaign went to Twitter and said, sorry, I'm not out there doing haikus, you know, at whatever, a music venue. Instead, I'm but here's a haiku about the Blazers. And that's the part when he lost me, the lack of integrity, the dishonesty, and then just to mock us after all of that. So I decided to go to Facebook and I actually took a cutout of both Sarah's campaign logo and Ted's. And I said, I, I'm not endorsing anybody, but here are the two people I want to go into the runoff if there is one. <laughs> wow. So you're a long you're a long-term Sarah supporter. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, Before you did. <laughs> I wasn't around. <laughs> yeah. Um Don't so, sure get it. Um but uh, yeah, I think we're not that far off. I just I just think that the conversation well, We haven't can... even talked about the recall. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, we don't have time for it. But yeah, I know we also disagree on that. Well, where do we disagree? You okay, support so... the recall effort? I feel like Wait, 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 wait. No. Oh, um, you don't support the recall effort. Also, no. <laughs> if I was a Portland voter and had the opportunity to have Ted Wheeler's name back on the ballot mm. so that he could either be given a mandate or mm. be booted from office, I mm. would support that form of direct democracy. Yes. Mm. So I support, I would sign that petition, basically. Mm. So I'm answering the question that Ted Wheeler did about Sam Adams and yeah. saying basically what Ted Wheeler said. Yeah. I have Ted Wheeler's position on this recall. Ted Wheeler's <laughs> 2010 position is the position that I hold yeah. now. Um, I think that, honestly, if he's going to be mayor, I would rather him be mayor with over 50% of the vote. If he's not going to be mayor, I'd rather him leave now. 
Um, and I think that direct democracy is the best way for that to be accomplished. The recall is not going away. It's going to yeah. be a thing. And so I would sign it if it was in front of me. Um, I'm not a Portland voter, so I don't have to decide on voting on that. I would definitely want to know what the alternatives are because, mm -hmm. you know, I ran a campaign for mayor and there was um, people in the race that I would uh, not support over Ted Wheeler, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, there are people that were worse than Ted Wheeler, I think. Mm -hmm. And there are people that considered jumping in the race that I think are worse than Ted Wheeler. Yeah. And I know that will be a shock for people to hear that think Ted mm -hmm. Wheeler is like a fascist. I think he's a bad mayor. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think he's evil or fascist mm -hmm. or anything. I think he's ill-equipped for this moment is all. And I would want to know that I'm not just jumping into the abyss, yeah. basically. I just feel like... If there were any conditions that would solidify Portland having a culture of a one-term mayor, we're seeing it happen right now as we speak. So, Don't you think that could be better addressed by charter reform, though? How would charter reform Because I think that? that our form of government um, is part of the reason why we, and our weak marriage system is part of the reason why we continue to have one-term mayors. Only partly. But partly. I, 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 I think this recall effort is going to really eat away at anything charter reform might do for the culture. I think that this recall effort is going to be a chilling effect that we're going to see probably even four mayoral term administrations after this yeah. because it's a big fucking deal. The other thing is I just support left-wing grassroots organizing, and yeah. I think that other things can be built from that. Like writing campaigns? <laughs> no, like... <laughs> Uh, absolutely not. I'm um, just saying like, that this is, for me, it's hard for me not to draw connections between the recall effort and the writing campaign. But very few people <laughs> were a part of the writing campaign, and over 50% of people did not vote for Ted Wheeler. So I, I think that it's a false equivalency. Well, I think very few people are involved in the, right, in the recall election. And we'll see. And I, we'll see. Let the people decide. We'll I'm see. just saying that it, they, they both have very similar elements of folks who are not okay with the voting policies as they are. They're both fueled by anti-Ted Wheeler sentiment. So I think that there are just really strong parallels between the recall and the writing campaign. You know, I think people that supported the write-in probably support the recall. I think of that's course. true, but I think that the, I, I, I think there's it's. I'm not be saying the exact same thing. I'm just saying that there's strong parallels. Yeah, and I think that there's toxic elements in left-wing grassroots organizing, yes. which I just said that I support. You know, like yeah. I think that's true, but I think that um, I, I don't. I just am never going to see it as my place in like our community to be the person that is going to be like anti that right of course and, like maybe that's part of my like own trauma of like being seen as anti that at certain points yeah. and stuff but uh, you know for me it's just like i really think it's similar to me about how i don't support breaking windows but I, i'm not going to spend time talking about broken windows mm -hmm. um i you know, I, I, I don't support many of the tactics that have been used against Ted Wheeler, like the mocking and mm -hmm. the, and the uh, accosting him in public. But um, I just would rather talk about what I see as the vision in the future for our mm -hmm. city. Um, and that's why I think that it's important that the recall effort and especially if they succeed in their signature gathering, um, lay out or mm -hmm. somebody lays out what a vision of the future would be. Because mm -hmm. I can envision us having a worse mayor than Ted Wheeler. Yep.
but we can leave it there. But I honestly don't think that would happen. That we could have a worse mayor than Ted Wheeler? <laughs> no, I don't think a worst mayor would result from a successful recall. I'm hopeful. Okay. Yeah. I, I think it's possible. Do you think oh, Sam I think Ad- it's possible. Do you think Sam Adams would be a worse mayor than Ted Wheeler? No. You think Sam Adams would be a better mayor than Ted Wheeler? Most definitely. Okay. He was a better mayor when he was mayor. I and he had to deal with scandal with for four years. I, uh, yeah, I want to agree on the job of being mayor without seeming like a supporter of the scandals. But yeah, I agree with uh, you on policy. Yeah, of of gay men having sex. Okay, I see. I don't I don't know <laughs> yeah. enough about the thing, and I know there was like some homophobic tinges of the recall effort there yeah. and stuff. But and I don't know enough about the details of when people turned eighteen and when they. Didn't, <laughs> but I support gay people having as much sex as they want, so long you know, as that met is. Bo? I don't want to. Let's stop the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I can see. Oh, homophobia right here on our own podcast. I just said I support gay people having all the sex that they want. Hey, neighbor. Hey. All right. Well, if you're gay and you want to have sex with Cameron, then (laughs) you know where to find us. This is an awkward place to stop this podcast, but we're going to do it. See you later, neighbor. All right. It's been real. This week's episode of Your Neighborhood Black Friends is brought to you by Kelly's Olympian on Southwest 4th in Washington. Learn more about Kelly's at kellysolympian.com. Financial support is also provided by Underdog Law Office. Learn more about Underdog Law Office at underdoglawyer.com. Our music was by Donovan Breakwater. Our branding is designed by Lindsay Hoft. This episode was recorded by Nalene Silva and Brian Woolen and mixed by Nalene Silva. And we are produced by me, Chris Walsmith. Thank you very much to this week's guest, AJ McCreary of the Equitable Giving Circle. Thank you to our Patreon, Small But Mighty. And thank you, everyone out there, for listening.